Listen up, MuggleCast listeners. Summer is here, and what better time than now to say big at GoDaddy.com. Get your own shared hosting account with 150 gigs of storage, 1,500 gigs of bandwidth, and 500 email accounts for $664 per month when you sign up for one year. Plus, by entering code POTTER, that's P-O-T-T-E-R, you will receive an additional 20% off of any one, two, or three-year shared hosting plan. Some restrictions apply. Check out the site for details. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy.com. This is Professor McGonagall welcoming you to all to MuggleCast. Hoping you enjoyed. Dobby, Dobby, come here. Yeah, Dobby. Yes, well, I'd just like to say how very pleased I am to introduce MuggleCast to all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Because it's not every day you turn the big 150. This is MuggleCast episode 150 for June 23rd, 2008. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 150th episode of MuggleCast. Yeah! You didn't hire a band or anything to play? I know, I, I was waiting for a clip or something. Well, uh, GoDaddy hasn't been doing so well, so... Oh, well, like I'm just frankly amazed that we made it this far without killing each other yet. I mean, I know. <laughs> 150 episodes is a long time, guys. Oh, I was just saying, well, why do you think there's only four people on the show today? Oh, yeah, about that. Well, um, it's our 150th introduction. You know, I mean, we say 150, but then you have to... Um, you have to remember that, you know, we've done these mini shows and we've done Leaky Mug. So while it feels like 150, it's not 150. It's more like <laughs> you know 175 I mean? or something like that. Right, exactly. Oh, God. Anyway, we have a very exciting show today for everybody. We're going to be taking a look back at some of the best of MuggleCast as submitted by all of our wonderful listeners who have been listening for such a long time. And uh, we got some other stuff going on. So I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Laura Thompson. I'm Mike Tannenbaum. And I'm Matt Britton. Way to sound subdued, Matt. <laughs> what he does is he always like copies whatever the last person, their um, voice yeah. tone. But he, he did sound like you. he was no. sure of I, who I'm, he was. I'm Matt Britton. I'm Matt Britton. <laughs> oh my god, I'm Matt Britton. <laughs> Matt Britton. <laughs> Micah, give us the news. Well, <laughs> I've never actually heard you say it like that before. I've been listening to a lot of Howard Stern lately, so I'm in a more uh, 
broadcast news anchor sort of news. All right, all right. Let, let, so give us the news. Okay. God, will you stop plugging Howard Stern? Hey, now. Anyway, what's going on in the news, Micah? Well, over the last week or so, we had a bit of a mini-movie fiasco going on. And uh, this was back last Sunday on June 15th. The Sunday Mirror, uh, the most reputable of papers over in uh, Britain, reported that J.K. Rowling had written a mini-movie script uh, to be taped for the uh, Wizarding World of Harry Potter theme park. And they said that the trio was going to be involved and they were going to film this prior to Deathly Hallows. And it seemed that this had a lot of credibility because MTV, even a couple days later, on one of their movie blogs, made a post about how they had been in contact with Warner Brothers or somebody over at Warner Brothers, and they had never, they had not really confirmed nor denied. But the person seemed to think that because of the fact that a lot of the rides at Universal Studios that are related to movies. Uh, have these sort of mini movies that it was probably going to happen, and then of course a couple days after that, Warner Brothers issues a statement saying that no scripts for any films related uh, to the prequel that J.K. Rowling had written um, for charity or for any other purposes were in the works at this time. So I think more so than anything else, maybe we were just digging for news, and it's not really there. Yeah, yeah and no, I, like I, can, I, I think this is a possibility, though. Like, you can definitely see something like this happening. It's happened on other rides before. Like, you know, in Disney, you see tons of extra appearances by the characters in their film modes. Well, they so can also do like a, a movie, like a mini movie that people come in and watch it in like 3D or something, like in theme parks in Walt Disney World and Disneyland and other theme parks where you, where you go in, put on your 3D goggles, and watch the the movie. And it has sometimes like four dimensional where you can like feel the smoke coming at you or just yeah. other things. Mm-hmm. Right. But the point is, does it exist? Does this exist, Laura? Can you see this happening? Oh, I think so. I mean, just because, I mean, I've been there and that's how so many of the rides are in this theme park, especially as you're waiting in line because the lines for these rides tend to be obnoxiously long. So not only will they film some sort of mini movie for the ride, but they'll film something to keep you entertained while you're standing in line. So I don't see how they could really have this whole Harry Potter section and then not have any kind of movie interaction. It wouldn't really make sense with the rest of the park. Right. Definitely. What else is going on? Well, uh, something that was of note was that um, the prequel that J.K. Rowling did write for charity actually ended up attracting 70,000 visitors over to Waterstone's website. Which I'll muggle that next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's not, I mean, it's not really that big of a, of a news story, but you know, I thought it was kind of interesting and we needed something to talk about. Um, next, as you said, uh, entertainment weekly, um, made a list. Now, this kind of seemed a little bit odd to me. They created a list of 1,000 new classics. That's a lot, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. I, I find it hard to believe that you could find 1,000 new classics, and new and classic don't really go together. That's kind of a oxymoron. Well, it's almost like, I mean, generally, if you call something a classic, it's kind of a very restricted field. 
right. of things, you know? And it's like to pick 1,000 of them, it seems somewhat overwhelming. It's like, okay, so are we classifying something as a classic just because it's popular, you know? Right. Yeah. That's what that's what bothered me about this. Uh, that, Like you mentioned, there's a little bit too many of them um, to name them classics. But uh, anyway, J.K. Rowling was named the top favorite author. Really no surprise there. Um, but Goblet of Fire was listed as the number two best read between 1983 and 2008. Interesting. Why Goblet yeah, of Fire? What is this based off of? Was, this wasn't people voting in a poll, right? I honestly don't know. You made the post. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so I did. I don't know. I, it's, I think this was picked within the editors at uh, Entertainment Weekly. It's like Goblet of Fire. Yeah. I mean, does anyone here think it's a, it's a classic in the past 20 years or whatever? Well, I think the Harry Potter books as a collective series are classics. Right, um, right. So why does it say Goblet of Fire? I mean, honestly, if I ha- I mean, I don't like to choose favorites with Harry Potter because there are things from all the books that I love. But I've always been especially partial to the fourth book. So I can kind of see where they're coming from. I just remember that, that Goblet of Fire had like the biggest release party of the books to date. I think Goblet of Fire, no. that was the first book that actually had release parties. It was, yeah. Yeah, nobody went to Prisoner of Azkaban. That was, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's cool. It's kind of weird, though. I mean, I don't know. What would you guys pick as a classic if you just had to pick one? Out of Harry Potter? Or? Yeah. Hmm. I would pick the first. Well, if you define classic, it would be the first. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I would agree with that. But you mean like, I mean, are you? I mean, are you talking in terms of like sequential order or like, you know? No, well, what- I guess I'm saying the definition of a classic would be something that you know, a hundred years from now, people will still be enjoying. Well, in still classic, recognize- you know. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, as classic, you go for originality, and Sorcerer's Stone was the first book. That, and- that's true. That's a fair point. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, and there were just a couple of other things that made some of uh, Entertainment Weekly's lists. Um, the death of Cedric Diggory was listed in the 25 classic death scenes. Now, again, nice. Goblet of Fire. <laughs> is Yeah, so, someone who put this list together was obviously a big Goblet of Fire fan, I think. Right. Um, I, I also wondered, looking at those two things, if maybe it was because that's sort of when the series starts to really turn and it moves more from you know the happy end of things the magical side of things to the more serious and dark side well how do you think jk rowling feels about this list because she said that the goblet of fire is her least favorite book of the series also and this turns out to be the biggest classic now yeah i don't think she she probably is thinking wtf too I'm sure Sorry. she speaks in those terms. I'm sure she walks around going, WTF? <laughs> LOL. Oh, my God. I'm, well, I'm sure LOL. if she looks in the Muggle Night comments, she sees uh, comments like that. WTF? Yep. Anyway, and lastly, the most depressing news of the week, Micah. Hold on. You left out Mary Grand Prix and her Sorcerer's Stone cover. Oh, God, you're still on this? Come on. Yeah, number 20 of the top 25 classic covers. Come on. Great, great. That's nice. The most depressing news, what are you talking about? The trailer. The fact that it's five years since Order of the Phoenix was released? No, no, no. No teaser trailer. Oh, no teaser trailer. 
Yeah. Oh. What's up with that? I don't know. I think um, it looks like we're missing a picture. Come, come on, we don't have a picture. You- yeah, we don't have our <laughs> weekly picture. <laughs> Something's really up. I actually got excited the other day. Someone was like, "New picture in Borders email," but it was like a fake Half Blood Prince cover. It was weird, and uh, like Border that Borders actually actually distributed. But um, yeah, so no trailer. It looks like it'll be with Get or Dark Knight, oh. unless WB comes completely out of the blue and releases it with Wally this week. But that's a yeah. The Dark Knight's in a month away, though. Yeah. Well, has it ever if happened? They release it with Wally, and I have to go see that movie. I'm going to be very upset. <gasps> you don't oh. want to see Wally? No. Why not? Why it not? Looks inane. It looks fantastic. Do your Wally impression, Matt. Wow. Oh my God. He's so cute. Wally's so cute. Um. Uh, okay. Fine, Laura. Think what um, you want. Has it ever happened before that there is no teaser trailer? I mean, could we just get a regular no, trailer no. in a couple months? No, no, there have always been teaser trailers. I think, though, I'm going to put some money down on this bet. Now that Get Smart is out of the way, Warner Brothers will have more time to focus on Harry Potter. So then they will, you know, start releasing more stuff related to Half Blood Prince. I'm just a betting man, though. Do you think that's the reason why they haven't released any yes. promos? Because they want yes. everyone to center on Dark Knight? I think the people within WB who handle Harry Potter are busy with Get Smart right now. Uh-huh. I'm just a betting man. So anyway, thank you, Micah, for that. Let's move along to the announcements. Laura, it's Andrew. time for your weekly announcements. <laughs> Well, I, I don't understand how this has become my weekly announcement, but because you lived there, did you? I did live there. Yeah, well, yeah. not there, but I did yeah, live in Texas. That's exactly why. That's exactly why it's yours because it was Dallas, and you know we would always talk to you about Dallas. Yeah, you know, and you're going home. Yeah, so. I'm so excited. I'm going to the land of my childhood this summer, and nobody I'm cares. Gonna... Talk about Portland. <laughs> you know what? I was about to say that I'm going to be there with some of my best friends, but you know what? Now I just don't want to talk anymore. So uh-huh. you know what? Okay, Matt, you want to talk about it? Guys, just go. Just go to Portis. <laughs> you want to see us. It's no, going to be do. fun. Register yeah. now. But no, in all seriousness, Portis2008.org, it's going to be from July uh, 10th to the 13th in Dallas, Texas. We'll be doing a podcast there at midnight on Friday night. Now I have to check that. It's Friday, right? Yeah, it's Friday. But technically Saturday morning. And um, we're going to have Aziza... Uh, on the show soon. You guys remember she interviewed Jim Dale with us and soon we'll have her on to answer your questions about Porter's people have some questions about Palooza passes and all that stuff. So we'll address that with her. So um, guys, want to remind everyone to vote for us on Podcast Alley as always. I think we're number one this week. We checked a couple days ago and we were number one. Yes, we're number one. So that's always good. Also, I want to clear up one more thing about t-shirts, because we've been getting a lot of emails lately asking, where can I get a MuggleCast t-shirt? Can I buy it for you under the table? And um, the answer is, we can't sell t-shirts anymore. We can sell them at live events, though. So in a case like Portis, we'll be able to sell t-shirts there. So that's my answer. I just wanted to clear that up instead of responding to everyone. So it's a lot easier to do it here. Sorry, guys, but you know, that's all we can do. 
Let's move on to Muggle Mail this week. Our first Muggle Mail comes from Katie, 20, of Nebraska. She writes, Hi, Mugglecasters. I was just responding to your review of JK's prequel that was auctioned recently. You said in episode 149 that it wasn't really a prequel to the Harry Potter story because it didn't relate to Harry's journey, but I think it is. For instance, The Hobbit is considered a prequel to the Lord of the Rings trilogy, not because it relates to the major storyline, but because it sets up the Rings discovery and introduction to the Shire. I think this prequel, if the whole thing were written would be considered a prequel because I'm sure it would set up Lily and James's deaths, which set up the Harry Potter saga. Let me know what you all think. I thought this was just a good email because, you know, I, I don't know much about The Hobbit personally, so I can't really answer this. Oh, great book. Well, I mean, the thing is, the I mean, I think it's slightly different because The Hobbit was actually a novel. Um, and, right. And, and yes. she's right. It did set up the entire trilogy that followed it, but it had, you know, a plot to it. This was just a fun thing that Joe wrote, you know, for this, this storybook. I don't yeah, really think it was clip. meant... Yeah, I don't think Actually, it was meant to have any, like, substance to it, really. It really does have no... Um, if, if this person... Uh, if Katie wanted to um, say that this was a prequel in, in regards to The Hobbit being a prequel to Lord of the Rings, that's... It's not... It's it, There's no connection between it at all. Because The Hobbit is actually a prequel saying it's... It's introducing all the characters in the Lord of the Rings book, and it is actually giving you a backstory to what actually happens to the main story in the Lord of the Rings, which is the one ring being um, power. And in this little snippet of J.K. Rowling's little prequel, so to speak, it's it's just it's just establishing two friends. Um, having a night out, right. pretty much is all it is. It, it, it's really no connection at all. This, this is almost a side event to what would be the prequel. Like this might be something that gets mentioned in a story that Sirius or James were telling somebody at one point. If J.K. Rowling actually were to write a prequel, this is not. This is so small and insignificant in the grand scheme of what an actual prequel would be, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. totally, totally. It's just that everyone called it a prequel because it made headlines, you know, in the press. J.K. Rowling penning Harry Potter prequel. No, not really. She is, but not really. It was a fun little tidbit. That was the way I viewed it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the next email comes from Robert Powell, 62, of Annandale, Virginia. He said, in episode 149, he spent a few moments discussing why J.K. Rowling named a couple of houses i.e. Shell Cottage and the Borough. This is an old British tradition ranging from the great houses to rural thatched cottages, and it endures despite postal codes. A friend of mine purchased a house for her family and their widowed father and named it Fernwell Cottage by combining the second syllables of her married and maiden names. A bit eccentric, perhaps, but charming. Thanks for the show. As an older reader listener, your podcast gave me lots of insights into a world I usually only get to observe from a distance of 40 to 50 years. A lot of people actually sent this in explaining how that's actually how it works over in England. So I thought that was interesting. I, I think it's really charming though. people name their, their homes. just gives it more of like a, a, a personal Well, well you guys just it. moved into an apartment. What are you going to name yeah, it? Yeah, you guys should name it. Well, um, cottage. <laughs> 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 we actually have a um, leaky cauldron sign out front on the on uh, now to the door, not to the door, but like perpendicular to the door. So 
everyone knows that the people living there are the weirdos that like Harry <laughs> Potter a lot. I don't know. I guess um, Potter Cottage, Mugglecast Studios. I don't know. We'll come up with a name. And our final Muggle Mail email comes from Xenia16 from Phoenix, Arizona. Xenia writes, Hey Mugglecasters, while listening to episode 148, you were talking about Fred Weasley's death. Then someone, possibly Andrew, mentioned the deaths of Sirius and Dumbledore, and that made me think about the whole theory about someone that represented black would die in one book, someone that represented white in the next, and in the last one, someone, uh, in the, and in the last, someone that represented red in the last. Mm, wow. Could Fred be this person? And do you think the theory came true with the deaths and the books reflecting black period? A white period? And a red period? Maybe Laura can clear this up. Didn't we talk about this so many episodes ago? You know, I feel like I remember some kind of theory that concerned... And I feel like for the red, we were considering Hagrid. Am I I remembering correctly? You may be right. Yeah, but I don't remember where the theory came from. Me neither. I do remember talking about something. Like yeah, this gosh. We should, you know what? Someone... We should have um, a new segment called like homework or something where we assign <laughs> the listeners homework to go and find the things that we talked about fifty episodes ago and remind us so that we. Okay. Know. Well, here's here's your homework. Someone, I was just gonna say, someone point out to us when we talked about this. You know, we're 150 episodes now. Honestly, once we got to like episode 20, I started forgetting like stuff we talked about earlier on. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's crazy how you forget stuff. But um, yeah, someone email. Uh, now we're, we're going to get a lot of emails, but feel free to email in and help us out. Remember what we were talking about exactly. It had something to do with alchemy, didn't it? Yeah, I think you may be right. I think you may be right. Yeah, because we did do an episode on that, I think. We did at <laughs> okay. some point, yeah. Because it was all related to the Sorcerer's Stone, I believe. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. And we said, what... Laura had said before that, um, you know, the three main colors or, or something like that were red, black, and white, and that um, Sirius died, and then Dumbledore died, and then, as she mentioned, we thought that Hagrid was going to die uh, because of the because of his name and its relation to the color. But oh, Rubius, yeah, yeah, now I remember. Uh, okay, yeah. Ah, okay. but, All right. well, thank you, yeah, someone email. That's probably the best thing to do. <laughs> well, um, that does it for Muggle Mail. Now we're gonna we're gonna move on to chapter by chapter. This week we are discussing chapter thirty four. See, oh boy, is this is a sad chapter. Two crybabies in this panel cried while reading this chapter. I'm not gonna say <laughs> who. Do. Should we reveal? It was Ooh. Micah. Two of the four. <laughs> yeah, it was me. It was Micah. <laughs> <laughs> as he laughs. <laughs> um, no, well, Matt was crying when he read the chapter just about an hour or two ago. Oh, well, what gets you about it, Matt? It's sad. What do you, that's it. Laura? Well, I have... What really strikes your heart? Well, just the whole part where he finally accepted that he had to die, and he was walking so calmly towards the forest and just thinking about all the little things like how many heartbeats and how many more breaths he'll take and you know just yes, asking his parents yes, yes. if it would hurt and I was just like no yeah yeah the entire part where his parents come back really got to me especially when he, he was talking to his mother when he asked her to stay close to him right before he died yeah that was really sad I wonder if JK Rowling had a tough time writing this chapter well, lucky for you, we're going to be discussing all of that. 
I've outlined in today's uh, chapter-by-chapter discussion. But we'll start with the beginning of the chapter. The chapter begins with Harry dwelling on his death. And like Laura was saying, how many heartbeats he has left, what it hurt, you know, and how appreciative he was of having his body. And it's all these things you would you never would think about unless you know you're going to die. Or I always think about people who are crippled or, you know, permanently handicapped. You know, they see us as being so lucky to be able to just, you know, something simple as walk or reach your arm out to, to grab something. Uh, but here here we see Harry being so appreciative of every last breath that he's being able to draw right now. It's really emotional. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, I think that everyone can kind of relate to how he felt, maybe not on the more personal level of everyone having a near-death experience, but say, even if you had someone really close to you who died, I think that in those days, weeks, and months following their death, you come to appreciate what you have so much more. So it's it's just kind of like if you have a friend or a close family member pass away. So a quick light moment here. I, I, I want to bring it up because um, everyone will remember when we... Uh, saw the Goblet of Fire, or sorry, Order of the Phoenix, I think it was teaser trailer, when Dumbledore says the return, the evidence that the Dark Lord has returned is incontrovertible. And I know me personally, I was like, what? Incontrovertible? What is that even a word? And um, I just thought it was funny, because then when you read this chapter, the word's actually in there. Um, I think, uh, who, who says it? Was it Voldemort? I forget. Oh, JQ, nobody said it. JQ Rowling used it. Um, I don't know. I I just thought it was funny because like we were, what's that word? And then it shows up in Deathly Hollows. Anyone else? Just me. Well, it was a good I, catch. I, I didn't even notice what that word was. But oh, thank you, Micah. Uh, what did you say, Laura? Nothing. No. What do you say? <laughs> no. It was a stab against. No, me, no, no. I was just saying that I wasn't wondering what the word was. I mean. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, Uh-oh. it's like I told you earlier because we d- we discussed this a little bit before the show, and I honestly think that in the movie they use the word. Because it sounded more like a word Dumbledore would use, as opposed to saying, this evidence is undeniable. It just sounds so much more intelligent and eloquent to say incontrovertible. So it's like, you know. And it may be more widely used, you know, in the UK more than the US. Yeah. They're just probably just not familiar with the word as much. That's I was going to say, too. it sounds That's better true. with a British accent than any of us. That's saying. incontrovertible. Yeah. Um, but... I was kind of what I thought was kind of interesting was um, on page six ninety two, Harry talks about Dumbledore's betrayal, and it's the first time we really see from Harry's perspective that he what how he considers what Dumbledore has done to him in a negative way. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of sad seeing that because I mean, do you guys see it as a betrayal now? I mean, I don't. Well, I mean, don't we later establish that Dumbledore knew it wasn't really going to kill him? I mean... Does Dumbledore say that? I don't know. I forget. I don't remember. But I I feel like in the end it turned out that he knew he wasn't going to die. I mean, that's how I feel anyway. But No, yeah. He he knew that he wasn't going to die because he knew about Harry being the final Horcrux and everything. He knew that Harry had to die, but he wasn't initially going to die. But, I mean, it does really... it does really throw into question, you know, did, and I know we've had this discussion before and I actually got a really long email about it, but did Dumbledore really consider Harry's autonomy? Like, I know that, 
you know, it was for a good cause and I know it needed to happen, but I still think there's a certain amount of respect that one needs to have for a human being, you know? And it's just, it's kind of weird to see Dumbledore acting this way because you've always seen him as someone who regards every creature he's ever encountered with fair and equal rights, house elves to centaurs. And then here he is, basically leading Harry towards his fate and he's completely blindsided at the last minute. You know what I'm saying? So it's just, it's definitely, it's not an easy up an awesome point. topic to grasp, you know? No, no. Yeah. No, you're, you're right though. You're right though. But I think, and you know, we've talked about this before. I think Dumbledore was right to not tell Harry because Harry being the, the teenager that he is, granted he's mature, but he could have just killed himself. Been like, oh my god, I have to kill myself anyway? Screw this. Boom, bang, done. I think this is really, though, where Dumbledore's character gets called into question. Because while he is somebody who is clearly old enough to have experienced a lot of things during his life and is far more than willing to die for the greater good, that's a lot of responsibility to thrust upon a child. And Harry still is a child uh, the way that he did. You guys agree with that or no? No, I do agree. But, you know, at least but can you argue that he did everything right? If you if you're just arguing that because he did he didn't he never told Harry that he had to die to kill Voldemort. Um, yeah, I Yeah, but at the same time, I don't think he was certain that Harry was going to live until that whole scene in his office where there was that puff of smoke and he says in essence divided. He had no idea that that part of Voldemort's soul was living in Harry until that point. So, at least that's what I remember. I could and also wrong. that gleam of triumph in Goblet of Fire when Voldemort put Harry's blood in him. That that means that Harry is part of Voldemort, and Harry cannot die if part of him is still with Voldemort. Yeah, uh, you know it's it's a very interesting debate. Well, it's a very debatable topic. I don't think we're really going to come to any conclusion with that because, you know. I, I, I think every character is flawed, and I think, you know, he's just human. So Harry decides to tell Neville, while, while Harry's walking out into um, the Hogwarts grounds, and he sees Neville there on the ground, and um, he decides to tell Neville the secret that Nagini has to be killed. And then Harry goes in, well, Joe goes into the whole thing about how, you know, it's a new trio that knows that Nagini has to die, you know, and then Harry's drawing on his death more. So I'm wondering, do you think Harry chose Neville for a particular reason or just because Harry happened to see him outside? I mean, would he have happened to tell anyone? And is it is it kind of symbolic to choose him, given that Neville also fit the prophecy uh, at being born at the end of July and all that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that it was... Um, I think it was definitely a defining moment that Joe gave to Neville because for so often he was kind of seen as comic relief and that's really exemplified in the movies. Um, they take a lot of creative license with Neville and they make him seem very, I don't know, they make him seem very silly and sheepish and that's sort of the impression you get in the books, but at the same time, uh, the bigger impression I got of Neville in the books was that even though he was somewhat awkward in the beginning he was always a very loyal and brave person who would 
do what he needed to do when the occasion called. So not only was it symbolic, but I don't think Harry would have asked just anyone. I think he asked Neville because he truly trusted him. Quite emotional to see that, too. I mean, this whole chapter was emotional. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I I just how, like, Harry, he said that, like, a new new trio (laughs) that was going to know this. Yeah. I don't know. It was nice. Well, he also put in account that um, there's the possibility that Ron and Hermione will die, too. Yeah. When he thought about when he was telling Neville, yeah, and he he couldn't bear to bear to imagine that either. But um, let's continue to move on. Harry is uh, boy, what a downer he is this chapter. He's dwelling on his death more, big loser, and uh, he's clinging on to every second. So, like Micah asked earlier, I'm glad he brought it up earlier. What do you think J.K. Rowling did to prepare? for writing for the scene. I mean, you have to essentially think about what would happen if you if you knew you were going to die. Yeah, I would think that would be the only way that you could prepare for writing a scene like that, you know? It's like And I think it's it's the same way that we allow ourselves as readers to react to the scene. I mean, it wouldn't have much effectiveness if we didn't all imagine being in that scenario. Like, I mean, have you ever been in a situation where you could have been like a car accident maybe you know where you're driving down the road and all of a sudden someone switches into your lane and they're about to hit you hit you head on and it's like it goes utterly fast but at the same time it moves in slow motion and i think that's kind of the way that we can relate to it so i think it's also possible that she may have drawn on a lot of her own experiences from the trouble times that she had in her life and a lot of the, uh, I guess, emotions and, and feelings that uh, she had herself. And, you know, she mentioned um, numerous times the kind of hardships that she went through that she herself contemplated suicide at one point. So it's possible that those things were used um, in this scene. I mean, you know, and J.K. Rowling said she was qu- crying while writing the end of this book and um you have to imagine i mean if you're trying to think about how you how what you would be thinking if you knew you were going to die i mean she may be crying while you know thinking about all this i can't imagine writing this whole chapter on my own composing all this yeah it must have taken her a long time i would think you know it's not the kind of thing you sit down and do in one setting yeah like you know after enjoying a funny tv show or something after catching the latest extras with Ricky Gervais, she comes in and writes a such a depressing chapter as that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then of course, while while dwelling, um, Harry finally realizes that I open at the cl- he he um he makes the connection to how once you connect once you grab the snitch, it's all over, and like you know now once Voldemort kills him, it's all over. Um, and he realizes that I open at the close means it'll open at his death. So he looks at the snitch and he says, I'm going to die. And that's when the snitch finally opens up. And, um, you know, it, it was really cool to realize what the riddle actually meant. But I have to wonder, what if he said this, you know, a few months ago? If he figured it out, if someone suggested it to him and he actually did say, I'm going to die. Or do you think he would have been smart enough to say, okay. Uh, there's no way I'm saying that because whatever I need, I'm going to need it if I ever die. Um, well, first of all, I think that it, 
I think that there was some sort of magic within it that he had to actually know he was about to die. You couldn't just say, I'm going to die because, well, everyone is going to die. So, of course, that's true. But I think there needs to be a sense of immediacy um, with which you say it, you know? Yeah, no, I I agree. So you think it, it listens to his voice well, for the passion? And the- well, I don't know that it listens to his voice, but... I mean, can a snitch listen? Well, if it can hear you say I open at the close, then... I almost... I don't know. I associate it more with, like, the internal realization. Not so much how you vocalize it. Yeah. But it's just like, how does the snitch still open up, though? Well, doesn't it respond strictly to flesh? Or isn't it composed of flesh? Am I... The snitch? The snitch? Well, there's that whole conversation that takes place at the burrow between Ron and Hermione and Harry, and Harry realizes that snitches have flesh memories, and remember he puts it in his mouth because he yeah, thinks that's how book. it'll open because that's how it open that's how he caught it in the first Quidditch right. match. Yeah, so, right. I would think that there would have to be some sort of genuine emotion associated with you know the words that he's saying that he's about to die and that the the snitch would respond to it if he just figured this out a couple months ago and said hey i'm going to try this out and see what happens you know and there was no real emotion behind it it may not have recognized yeah i think you're from harry and decided to actually open all right well let's move continue to move along um so the snitch opens up and within it is the resurrection stone and I'm still a little confused about how this all works personally, but I'll just pretend like I know. So <laughs> um, he turns it over three times, and Sirius, James, Lily, and Lupin appear. Now, was Harry thinking of those four as he turned it over, or what? Why was it those four that appeared? Um. You know, I really don't know. I, You know, there's been a lot of debate about whether or not the Resurrection Stone actually brings people back. Or whether or not you're actually speaking to those people. Um, Have we ever really gotten a clear-cut answer on that? Because the way that I viewed it was almost kind of like when Harry saw his parents in Goblet of Fire. It wasn't really them. It was like Dumbledore said, shadows um, of their spirits, you know? Mm. Yeah, because I I was just wondering what, you know... Because, like, why didn't Cedric show up? But I, I have more questions. So... Why didn't book, Dumbledore descri- show up? That's what yeah, I think that's is weird. Too. You would think that more than anyone, that would be who Harry would want to see at that point. Because, But it's almost like it goes hand in hand with the fact that Harry seems resigned to the fact, regardless of whether or not it was right or wrong, uh, whether or not Dumbledore respected him as a person or not, he seems to have completely accepted the position that Dumbledore has put him in. Right. And so it's like he doesn't he even would, care to see. He him would definitely point. want to talk to talk to him at this time, or I would think Dumbledore would somehow want to appear there. It's almost like Harry. It's so weird that Dumbledore's not there. I can't really describe it, but it's just he's been at every yeah. other major turning point, and yet here he's not present. To be honest, with and you. all Dumbledore would have to do is say, "Look, you're not going to die," but. 
I guess I guess Harry had to know that he was going to die because that's what ultimately defeated Voldemort, wasn't yeah. it? So the one thing I was going to say is that I don't know that Harry would want to see Dumbledore at that point in time. I mean, if I were Harry, I'd be pretty pissed off at him, to be honest with you. I mean, he essentially yeah. raised Harry over the last you know seven years of his life to die for all Harry knows and had absolutely in as far as we know right now remorse about it yeah Yeah. well what I find interesting about it is that at every other point that Dumbledore has done something questionable to Harry Harry has always been desperate to question him even after he died like he would he would constantly he held on to this hope that he would see Dumbledore in the mirror he kept seeing the blue eye and hoping that it was Dumbledore. And it's like at this point, Harry has completely let go of that need. He's let go of that connection. And I think in this point, he has actually truly grown up and become a man. Plus, I think Dumbledore was only contracted for King's Cross. <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to say, because like if Dumbledore showed up here, then there wouldn't be any awesome scene at King's Cross. So, I mean, Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Could it be as cheesy of an answer that J.K. Rowling was just saving him for the next chapter? <laughs> well, it, it's also the fact that, I mean, even even at the end of the next chapter, I don't want to get too far ahead, but it's basically confirmed that, it, that Dumbledore wasn't really there, that it was just a dream. Right. That Harry's mind was inventing it. So I really think that it's another, and we know that Joe has always been, um, very straightforward when it comes to death in the series. And she's very against the idea of leading people into the idea that you can come back after you die. And I really think it was another way of Joe putting that distance there to show people, you know, when you die, it's over, you know. Regardless of whether or not there's an afterlife, you don't return right. to this one. But he was in limbo, wasn't he? Who, Harry? Mean, more or less. Or we'll discuss that Yeah, but I'm week. talking about Dumbledore yeah. specifically. All right, well, we got an email here. Maybe this will get you back into it. We got an email here from someone that I thought we should bring up because I'm pretty sure this occurs in uh, um, Chronicles, Chronicles of Narnia, the movie. So I've seen this. Um, it comes from Nick15 of Newcastle, Delaware. He writes, When I was reading Chapter 34 of Deathly Hallows of Forest again, I noticed several occurrences throughout the chapter that reminded me of events that took place during C.S. Lewis's novel, The Chronicles of Narnia. The first one. First off, when Harry realizes that he must die to ensure the safety of everyone in the castle, this is similar to Aslan sacrificing himself to save save the life of Edmund Pevensey. Um, and second, Pevensey, yeah, Pevens. Okay. Second, Pevensey. Harry chooses to bring back his parents, Lupin and Sirius, for comfort while walking through the forest to his death. This is again similar to Aslan allowing Lucy and Susan Pevens Pevens to walk with him towards his death. And eventually both the Pevins girls and Harry's escorts leave before they enter their death scenes. WTF. Laura, you got any ideas about this? Have you read, uh, Chronicles of Narnia? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the similarities are definitely there. And I mean, we, we know that JK Rowling has taken some cues from other, um, fantasy novels and I don't think it would be unlike her to, um, I wouldn't say borrow, but I mean to be inspired because, I mean, Narnia is obviously fantastic. Um, But what's very interesting about this, I think, is that um, Narnia has 
large religious references. I mean, we're talking huge parallels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, it's just interesting because you see a lot of people going on about um, how Harry Potter is demonic and you have people like Laura Mallory who think that it's Satanistic, <laughs> but there are really so many biblical parallels in Harry Potter. It's it's really quite ridiculous. I mean, just we had the biblical verses a few weeks ago on the show yeah. that were on Ariana and um, Lily and James Tombstones. Right. And what's really yeah. even more interesting is that with C.S. Lewis, if if you read that entire series, that Narnia isn't even what it appears to be. I won't. Has anybody actually mm-hmm. read? Yeah. The series or no? Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to give it away, but it, it's kind of similar to what. Harry goes through right what happens in the in the final battle yeah. or after the final battle in uh, I mean it's such a beautiful way to do it to you know to escort the main character or one of the main characters to uh, their death it's you know um, Harry walks through the forest and he sees uh, Yaxley and, and Dolovov 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 so he follows them back to where Voldemort is camped out. And of course, Voldemort is there with all the Death Eaters and Lucius is looking worse than ever. And um, they tell they tell Voldemort that he wasn't there. Voldemort says, I was, it seems, mistaken. And Harry, in what will be probably one of the coolest parts of the movie, says, you want... And J.K. Rowling describes Harry as saying it with, with such passion and trying to say it as loud as possible to make sure everyone heard him. It's it's really cool, I thought. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, how exciting is that going to be to see Harry ready to kick some Voldy ass? I think that whole scene's going to be great, but I'm just looking forward to seeing the look on Voldemort's face, you know? Yeah. When Harry steps out and says, you weren't. You yeah. Know, yeah. What do you think Voldemort would have done if he didn't come to him? Because, like, the Death Eater, like, we know what he threatened, but the Death Eaters look so scared. Like, Voldemort, do you think he would have killed some more Death Eaters just out of fury before he went to get Harry? Yeah, I can see him whipping his wand to, you know, in anger and killing about five or six of his Death Eaters. Why not, you know? Yeah, exactly. Sure. Sure. He's ruthless. So, and then Voldemort sends the green spell and everything was gone. Or was it? That's for next week's dun, dun. You know, speaking of that. And so that concludes the weekly MuggleCast episodes. Chapter by chapter is now over. Harry died. Oh, 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 yeah. I was going to ask you guys about this. I didn't put it. I didn't put it. Did you think, did you think Harry was dead at this point? Laura, were you crying some more? I I can't remember. You were crying so much. It's all blurred to me. (laughs) Well, I didn't know what to think. I mean, (laughs) I was just, just the fact that she actually wrote it to make you think that, oh my God, he's dead, you know? And the whole chapter was so emotional in and of itself. And in my defense, okay, we'd been reading the book for 24 hours. We hadn't slept. We hadn't eaten. I was tired. <laughs> but you and still you cried. I mean, we were all yeah. tired, but you cried. No, it's okay. It's okay. Jamie cried. No, Jamie cried when the book was released. Yeah, was I know. Different. He had some alcohol in him <laughs> too, which is legal over there, by the way. <laughs> So, um, I don't know, Micah, did you think he was going to die? Right there, uh, there was too much of the book left. <laughs> and that's kind of a stupid reason, but <laughs> no, there no, was. No, there wasn't. Well, there was enough. 
Um, and there wasn't part of what kind of uh, made me think that it wasn't over was, yeah, I know that um, there was that jet of green light and everything was gone, but there wasn't the finality of Avada Kedavra to it. Every other time, at least that we've seen in the series, that somebody has died, that curse has been used, and the curse itself, the words weren't used, and to me that made me think that for some reason it wasn't over. You know, I, I had to see those words really? on the page in order to believe that he was actually dead. So, I mean, who knows? Wow. But, I mean, th- th- just that alone made you that confident? I mean, you're just saying that now in hindsight to make yourself look really smart. N- no, it was that and the fact there was there was a lot of uh, story left to go. No, I didn't think he was going to die. It was too... Th- there was too much left to to go through. I, I don't know. I just, I was convinced that he right. wasn't going to die. And yeah, that thing about the Avada Kedavra I just made up um, when I read it this time, but I noticed it. It wasn't there. Matt, do you think he was a goner? No, I, no, I, I, I didn't, I don't, I didn't think he died when I read it. I kind of agree with Micah. There was just too much story left. And also with all the other characters, um, JK Rowling, actually stated that that character was dead or was gone and at the end of this chapter we don't really know anything we just know that after the green light there was nothing there all right well yeah there, there you go that does conclude what did chapter you think which, did huh? you think he was dead you know i don't know what i thought i can't remember dead? i can't remember i was too preoccupied watching laura crying yeah, I remember that. We actually, you, me, and Jamie were sitting on that bed, and you had the freaking camera facing us, and I'm crying, and I'm looking the other what way. Camera? I'm like, oh, God, don't let this be broadcasting over the internet. The the laptop. Oh, that camera, the live stream. Oh, okay. Yeah, the live stream, and, and I'm, like, uh, looking the other way. I'm yeah. like, I don't want anyone to see me crying. <laughs> I hate you. Uh, well, yeah. All you had to do was look at the next page. Right. Well, I did. Well, no. <laughs> But okay, he could have still died, and you know, with some extreme magic, he like or Harry just like or J.K. Rowling just describing heaven or something. Now she's gone really overboard. But Voldemort was still alive. The, the bad guy was not going to win in this story. Well, no, I didn't yeah, think he was. That's part I didn't of... think he was going to. But it was it, regardless of the fact. I didn't really know what I thought. I didn't know. I was so I was emotional. I was tired, and I wanted to finish the freaking book. But that chapter was so uh, right. emotional. But... <laughs> you can't blame me for crying. Just because I cried didn't mean that I thought Harry. No, was I'm dead. not blaming you for that. I'm not blaming you for that. I just make fun of you for it, but I'm not blaming you for You're it. An All right, ass. well. But... Um, Let's move on. We I know I am, but only Harry could kill Voldemort. Voldemort wasn't dead, therefore Harry wasn't dead. Uh, that was my rationale. Okay. Well, whatever. okay, whatever. I mean, Let's yeah, on. we can go into this for much longer. But all right, let's do it. You know, I just realized this whole chapter is just Harry and Dumbledore, so... You have a 50-50 chance of getting it right. I'll give you a sentence anyway. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> Who said it? Who said it? Uh, no, you just can't. I'm sorry. There's no quote. Pick some narration. Sorry. That'll drive him crazy. Can't do it. Unless Pick something that, that's not a quote. <laughs> I can't, because I was just looking at some quotes, and there's not one sentence you can't tell the other person. It's too easy. 
So that's how we play. Well, it is our 150th episode, as uh, we were reminding everyone. And um, we're going to play now some clips highlighting the best of MuggleCast. All right, so this is sort of going to be our favorite segment this week. We're going to play a few clips uh, from the show. Uh, highlighting the best of MuggleCast as a little tribute. Um, this first clip comes from episode 36. It comes from Alyssa. I think that saying that there is one wand for one wizard is like saying there is one person you can be friends with or there's one person that you can fall in love with in this whole world. And I just... I don't think that's true. I think that <laughs> there are different wands that can suit you and it also can depend on how you've grown as a person. It might change later. Well, I only love Ben. Ben, using, I bet. Using the love analogy, you know, <laughs> you can, like, you can have people that you, maybe you fall in love with and stuff, but maybe there's only one true love. Maybe there's only one wand. <laughs> you, Ben, for me. I love you, Ben. The Actually, Ben, Ben, you. this is a perfect uh, moment for this. I've been meaning to ask you this for a, uh, for a while now. I'm afraid I can't get down on one knee, but, um, Ben? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ben, ben Carlo Shay. <laughs> Carlo. Will you, will you marry me? Can I be the flower girl? Of course, Jamie. Oh, course. yes. Yes, definitely, yeah. definitely. Can I be the best uh, man? Eric, you aren't doing the speech. Eric, you are not doing the speech. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely oh, not. Laura, I, just, I think the best part of that clip is you just saying, can I be the flower girl? So innocent and perfect timing. <laughs> Wow. Uh, good times. Oh, good times. Good well, times. the next clip was sent in by quite a few people. This was episode 73. Hold on, let me, uh... It's a long number. He, uh, lives in, uh, England, actually. Stupid UK numbers. Okay. Hello? Hi, uh, Hagrid. Rubius Hagrid. Hagrid, Rubius Hagrid, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. I was just uh, flying my motorcycle. And well, well, thank you for taking the time out to do this with us today. I mean, this is a big honor. I know our fans have been very excited to see you on the show. And uh, we weren't kidding when we said them. This is our the biggest guest to ever appear on a Harry Potter podcast. So thanks for coming on today. You're welcome. Uh, so, of course, that's a very long interview, but it's just so funny because we hyped it up for a couple <laughs> weeks. We were saying... And people were mad. Yeah, we were saying we are going to have people were kind the of biggest guest ever. And, of course, we meant... Literally. We meant, we meant biggest in physical size. And so many people were upset. Oh, you guys should have... You guys shouldn't have hyped it up. You should have just hyped it up one week prior. Like, all this stuff. A lot of people, though, liked it. They thought it was really funny. Yeah. People who actually have a sense of humor. It was yeah. really funny. Yeah. They were either on one side of the spectrum or another. Either you loved it or you hated us for hyping it up. And he secret- secretly loved it. Kind of like our April Fool's jokes. Some people, who was it? Someone actually told me they thought we actually got Robbie Coltrane to, to, to do that for Oh, us. really? Yeah. I can't remember who <laughs> told me that, but someone did. I was thinking, What? Really? I mean, you know, it's kind of obvious when Ben just happens to leave right there. Our acting was awesome on yeah. that clip. But, uh... <laughs> All right, here's another clip. This is from episode 82 from Austin. Well, you know, I've always wondered, is it possible that 
Voldemort entrusted information about Horcruxes to different Death Eaters, so not all of them knew necessarily about all of them, but but individually maybe some of them. I don't think he'd tell them anything. It's just he he doesn't take risks. It's pointless. Well, telling, then how would R.A.P. have known about this in the first place? Well, there's always a way of finding out. Perhaps he, you know, used um, the Gillamancy. He read his diary. Yeah, maybe yeah, he, he read his maybe diary. Maybe he witnessed the killing. <laughs> Dearest diary, today I killed someone and split myself. <laughs> yes. Have a good day. From Voldemort. <laughs> that must be a distressing diary to read. I mean, think of the stuff he's done. Went to kill a young boy. Backfired. Damn. From Voldemort. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, killed his parents. <laughs> uh, funny memories. Uh, just listening to those wow. clips, you know, I, I miss Jamie and Ben. What that was a weird back? choice. <laughs> that was a that was a weird choice. You said, Micah. Why? Yeah, that was a weird choice. I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, it wasn't hilarious, but it was funny. I thought. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was funny. It was just kind of random. Yeah. Well, some people. You know, it's actually some of these nice hearing these things stick. that we haven't. You know, I don't know because I feel like there are some people who send in the same like clips Probably. over and over, and yeah. some right. stuff gets overused. But it's nice to yeah. hear this other stuff. Well, you know, speaking of that, we're going in order here of episodes. Speaking of that, um, this one from episode ninety-seven was, um, I guess you could say, w- one of the classics. Lara, 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 I gave your pants back, right? Did you get them? Hey! Eric, Eric, it's Eric. No, we have to cut that no, out. Did listen. you get your pants back? I, I, just, I, I did. Laura you. wants to Thank cut you. it out because it's true. That's the funny part. Laura, could I just I play just, it no, off? Where they seem no. to be walking? Look, it's, no, it's perfectly, perfectly good explanation, okay? It was just in Los Angeles. She left a few hours before me, and, and she packed everything except one pair of pants, and I said, oh, that's Laura's. I think I should take it with me, and I'll mail it back to her when I get home. Uh, eight months after the fact. Eight months later, <laughs> yeah. I did, yeah. I didn't get it until, like, right before you left for New Zealand, All right, but that's, that's a little weird, well, Eric, but... Better late than ever. <laughs> Andrew... Uh, <laughs> We should tell the uh, we should tell the uh, story of when you found my underwear in your sister's room, and I don't know how it got there. Seriously, so so I seriously have no idea how, how it got We've there. So, and I don't want to think about that. Um. Guys, <laughs> your mum must have sorted that accidentally because I swear I didn't do so- anything untoward. It was it probably was my mom made the mistake, but because um, your underwear is girly underwear, so she probably thought, oh, it's Becca's. So yes, it's right. completely. I wear I wear knickers. What what a knickers. What a knickers. I still haven't figured out what knickers are. They're underwear. Girl underwear? Old ladies. Old ladies. Didn't know that. Micah, you... Wow, Micah, you you really jumped on that. Do you know something we don't? (laughs) That old women wear knickers? That was funny, though, because Eric said it so out of the blue. It just, you know, it just came out of nowhere. Oh, I know. I was. I remember hearing that, and I was like, "Oh God!" Like seriously. And you want to know the worst part? You named that episode "Laura's Pants," and my yeah. mom um, went when I was in England with you guys. My mom went over to visit my aunt and uncle, and she was telling them all about Mugglecast. And so they went online and looked at it, and they saw one of the most recent <laughs> episodes. And they go to my mom. They're like, "Why is this called Laura's Pants?" And she was like, "Uh, I don't know." <laughs> so I'm like, "Oh God, my family thinks these terrible things of me." Thank you, Eric. Thank you. Oh, that's unfortunate timing. 
That's unfortunate time. I know. Well, next up, we have a clip from episode 121 from Nairi. Nairi. I'm sorry. I'm doing your name wrong. After she says it, um, he, he, there's actually a line. Joe, Joe Rowling writes, um, where Narcissa sat rigid and impassive, Bellatrix leaned towards Voldemort, for mere words could not demonstrate her longing for closeness. That is a brilliant character line for Bellatrix. Does she um, not get any from her husband or something? I mean, <laughs> Bellatrix does. Oh well, I, I don't know. She's I married. Think, is that an actual question? Does Bellatrix get any? <laughs> well, I mean, look at the quote. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, no, no, her, yeah, it's true. Get for mere words, could not demonstrate Viagra or something. Her, her longing for closeness, May, maybe, <laughs> maybe there's no magical solution yet. What would the Latin be? Think about it. Erectus? What, you know, what? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Magna. No, Erectus Maxima. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. Gorgio, maybe. In, in Gorgio. No, no. Micah, that serves a different purpose. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> what purpose is that? To make it bigger. Not harder. <laughs> okay, bigger. well, this concludes <laughs> chapter by chapter for uh, this week. All right, there's another clip. Another Funko Cast classic. Yeah, <laughs> clearly. See, that's what happened. That's why... Laura, you weren't on that episode? That's, no. That's why we always say Laura is not. like, you know, she brings us down. She keeps, you know... I don't think I was on that episode I either. I you guys down. That was the episode that I wasn't on. I think it was like you, Micah, Mikey, Eric. No, you, you said, okay, that concludes chapter by oh, that's chapter. That's right, that's right. I just chose to stay out of it. I took the high road. All right, next up, uh, All right. episode 130, 133 from Kelly. Because in reality, they're still pretty young. Um, you know. Okay. But it's kind of a more upbeat song, you know? <laughs> it, 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 it has, like, so, some really solemn lyrics, but it's an upbeat song, so I, I don't... It's kind of hard to place that. The, the, the lyrics are terrible if you listen yeah. to it. If you get the meaning of the song, it's terrible. I don't know what it is. I've just heard it's terrible. I can just see Harry running down the, uh, the Great Hall seeing uh, <laughs> Remus and Tonks lying there dead, and then he just breaks out and dances to the song. <laughs> there you go. There's a little classic Matt moment. Mm. That was funny, Matt. Good Aww, job. Yeah, thank Matt. you. Um, the next clip comes from episode 134. I think this may be one of our all-time best moments. At least uh, it was probably the most emailed. Here it is now. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the program. Um, I just want to start the show off this week with a few emails I got about uh, last week's show. So uh, let me kick it off here. Jen from New Jersey, I just wanted to tell you that you accidentally dropped the F-bomb in episode 133 at 59 minutes, 31 seconds. Just wanted to tell you so you can edit it out or whatever. I'm a clone from Nashville. At 59.30 of episode 133, drop the F-bomb. Not very family-friendly, as you mentioned earlier in the episode. Jessica B., 17, of Cobbleskill, New York. You said a very bad word during minute 59, and you missed it again. Whoops, slipping up in your old age. Nick B., 13, of Boston. I can't believe you dropped an F-bomb on the show and didn't cut it out. Can you believe this was my mom's first show? Just kidding, but I thought I might put it out to you. Ha ha ha. Emily, 18, of Lynchburg College, Virginia. Just FYI, Andrew, you dropped an F-bomb that made it through editing at 59.31 on episode 133. Just thought you should know, not 
really concerned, but thought you might be. From Matt, hey Andrew, you accidentally forgot to edit yourself out saying get it around 50, 60 minutes into the show. It is not really noticeable, but I thought I would let you know. Helene, you totally said on air, 59 minutes, 31 seconds. Oopsies. I know! I said the F word! Sorry! Ugh! Wait. Now you know how I feel when you forget to edit me. <sighs> Which, okay, what's what's the what's the word? The F, is it fecal matter? <laughs> is it is it frustrated? Yes, man. Whatever you say. Oh wait, it's. F- <laughs> yes. You said f- yes, on the show, was. Andrew. You're not supposed to say f- on the show. I can't f- believe you f- said that. You f- moron. Guys, seriously, seriously, <laughs> shut the f- up. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really great when you produce like a quality show, and then the only emails you get are about one slip up. Seriously, it was ninety nine percent three nine minutes thirty seconds. You said that bomb. No, thanks everyone. Seriously for emailing it, and I do appreciate it though. <laughs> I'm Anderson. Ah, <laughs> uh, jeez. You know, we got so many people complaining about this. Uh, you know, going through the cursing ramp. But on the other hand, you know, the opposite side of the spectrum, once again, people loved it. You know what, Andrew? You know what? What? I thought it was hilarious. Ah, oh, gee, Micah. I thought it was hilarious, too. Really? Oh, I'm yeah. I think that. That's Thank you amazing. very much. Guys, shut the up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this last one comes from episode 135. This is from uh, Samantha. This is our last one for today. On Broadway, too? Wait, can I can I, can I give you a sample to like give you an idea of what it could be like? Oh, oh God. God. You play Hairspray, I will kill you. Okay. Hey, hey come on. Come on, Angela. Let's hear it. Good morning, Hogwarts School. Every day's like an open door. Every night is a fantasy. Every sounds like a symphony. Good morning, Hogwarts school. You're done. And someday when I take out my wand, the world's gonna wake up and see Jenny Weasley and me. Andrew. Okay. Let me just say something. I think that's how it could start. I, you know what, though? I would, oh, I would definitely go. go. I would go to see it, regardless. I, I just don't think it's going to happen. I just don't think we should ever let Andrew audition for it. No, um, because if wait, Andrew what? was on the soundtrack and it got put on iTunes, they would either have to remove or significantly decease the preview segment on there to keep people's ears from bleeding. <laughs> what was wrong oh, with that, though? Oh. I, I mean, it set up the plot. Um, My voice was fine. I hit, I hit all the notes. <laughs> My voice was fine. <laughs> like, one of the oh. contestants on American Idol. Ah, <laughs> uh, jeez. Laura, you were brutal to me. Oh my what god, happened? I'm so mean. I don't know what yeah, happened. Maybe I was PMSing or something. I don't know what the <laughs> deal was. <laughs> I think you were just so upset at like my singing that you know it was all boiling up and then that explosion. Well, you know what's funny? Jeez. When you started playing that clip, I don't know if you could hear me, but when you started playing it, I was like, oh, God. But I actually said it at the same time as I said it in the clip without, like, intending to. Because, like, oh, really? I remembered what it was, <laughs> but apparently I had also said it, yeah. So it was like, I said it twice. So anyway, I thought it was oh, funny. that's funny. <laughs> well, there you go. That's a look back at some of the... God, you were brutal. 
that was some of the best moments of uh, MuggleCast. I hope everyone enjoyed them. I thought they were pretty funny. I mean, that's only – we got several hundred entries, and I wish we could play them all, but, you know, there's just not enough time. Yeah, well, um, what about from the earlier episodes? I mean, really early episodes. We didn't have much of anything, huh? Yeah, not as many people sent in um, early moments. I, I guess you just forget some of the funnier stuff way back when, so. Yeah. Well, didn't you guys do that for episode 100? Go back? We did. We did um, play a highlight, didn't we? No, we didn't. Episode 100 was live in London. Maybe for 50 yeah. or something like that. No, I don't like think that. so either. All right, well, moving along, uh, it's time to play a segment we haven't played in a while, but now that the MuggleCast studio is up, we can get back into it. Make the music connection. Oh, yes. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Ah, uh, thank you, brave. Laura. Mm, what song should I pick for you? Okay, there's a new song out. It's pretty popular. Um, I'm not sure if you heard uh-huh. of it. You may not have. I just heard it for the first time on Howard Stern the other day. It's number one on iTunes right now. So here, here it is. Kissed a Girl by Katy Perry. Make the connection. Oh, wow. Uh. <laughs> well, I don't know if I can make... I mean, at first I was thinking when it was... Uh, before it got to the I Kissed a Girl part, I was thinking about, like, um, Harry and Ginny's relationship and how he hadn't intended for it to be so short. Oh, yeah, the, the chorus changes um, everything. When he broke up with her at the end of the sixth book. Yeah, but the only thing I can think of is just because it would be considered against the quote unquote social norm um, for a girl to kiss another girl. So, I mean, I just think about Aberforth um, and how people consider him somewhat interesting for his goat fetish okay not bad how about dumbledore kissing mcgonagall (laughs) (laughs) well the thing is it's not that you can compare it's not the end i mean anybody who listened to our episode on um dumbledore being gay would know that you you cannot compare homosexuality to bestiality but i guess you could compare the way people view it socially so that would be my good job laura good job laura um mike or matt who wants to go next I'll go. Okay. That was Matt. Matt uh, now, this is another new song. That was Matt. This is a, this is a, another new song. It may be hard, so I'll, I'll give you some time. All right. Matt, make the connection. I'll delete it. Let's be clear. Oh, I'm not coming back. You're taking seven steps here. 
make me love you. Seven Things by Miley Cyrus. New single. I don't know. I don't. It's such a crappy song. Why don't you pick good songs? It doesn't matter how good it is. It's all about the lyrics. Well, I'm reading the lyrics right now. Well, the music's crappy, and the quote unquote rock music in the fourth movie was crappy. Yeah. Well, I'm surprised he played this. I mean, he could have played like High School Musical 1, 2, or 3, or 4, or 5, or 6. Or you could say Voldemort. I hate, like, this is Harry's song to Voldemort because the seven things he hates about Voldemort are the Horcruxes. And that's ultimately what's sending him through all this, you know, this crazy, you know, journeys. Okay. Oh, you see good. it from that perspective. I see it as being quite funny. Yeah, that's okay. You like that, Micah? Yeah, that was good. Very good. Okay. Yeah. Um, Micah, I was going to give you a song from Camp Rock, the brand new uh, Disney uh, TV show, but I decided I'll give you something simpler. Oh, my simpler. God, you're kidding me. Okay, so um, here we go. What I'm looking for by you too. Make the connection. Great song. Nope. Uh, I would say it's Snape's song. He never found uh, what he was looking for with Lily, no matter how hard he tried. So true. So true. And that's how we play the m- 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 music. Connection. All right. Um. Let's see. So uh, let's wrap things up today. Chicken soup for your soul. Canine edition comes from Andrea, 16 of Wisconsin. She writes, Dear MuggleCasters, several weeks ago, my three-year-old dog was hit by a car. The days following her death were some of the worst I've ever been through. I couldn't even open the front door without missing her high-pitched bark. Whenever I wanted to get away from the rest of the family or just forget about it for a while, I'd picked up my iPod and go on a long walk listening to MuggleCast. Even listening to episodes long past, I was able to escape my grief for an hour filled with good old Potter discussions. I was even able to laugh at jokes. Though I miss my, still miss my dog terribly, MuggleCast continues to be a bright spot in my day. Whenever I'm sick and tired of my house or just want to break from life i download a few old episodes and go out with my ipod you guys never fail to make me laugh and always provide interesting discussion thanks for helping me through a really tough spot in my life love and pickles andrea um she also she also mentions uh the song that micah picked for snape's death last week uh behind blue eyes was uh one of the songs she listened to after her dog's death Micah, that was a great song you know i hadn't listened to it until i actually edited it in but it was wonderful, and some people even emailed in and said, you know, it was a great song to give to Snape. Yeah, uh, the lyrics definitely apply, and uh, maybe not the eye color as much, but um, I do what I can. No, that's the big thing, but that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. You did good. But um, 
I think that does wrap up the show for today. Does anyone have any final thoughts about, you know, making it to 150 episodes? We've outlasted most uh, big-time television series, I would think, right? That's true. Um, are yeah, we older than true. Dumbledore? We didn't get canceled. No, he's probably older. Yeah. No? Yeah, I think so. And then, for anyone who checks uh, TwilightSource.com, we're actually older than Edward. Call it. There you go. <laughs> TwilightSource.com. Yeah, that there we go. Shameless. Um, <laughs> but what about what about our favorite moments f- over the past 150 episodes? I know we played fans' moments, but what if, what were your guys' favorite moments? If you can pick a few or just one. Or maybe even an episode. I'd have to say the live shows oh. have been my favorites. Um, they're always very exciting. We're always very excited beforehand to get them started. There's always a lot of anticipation. Overall, it's just so much fun. Um, and doing the live shows in person too are a lot of fun as well. I mean, I was talking about the live online, live online ones, but the ones in person are really fun as well. I I know it's not really a moment, but yeah, it's a moment it's nice to me. To, well, it's nice to be able to put faces to the people that have been emailing in because so many of the people yes. who come to the live shows will come up and be like, oh, I sent you this email or I sent you this thing to the PO box. It's like, oh, I know who you are. And it's, it's really cool to be able to put faces to those people who are really so loyal to the show. I agree. I agree. Micah, how about you? Do you have a favorite moment? Yeah, well, I mean, I agree with uh, with what you were saying before about the live events that we've done. Um, you know, particularly in Lightning, I thought was uh, a great live show. Um, the crowd was really into it, and it was a great venue, and it seemed to go on forever. Um, I did like, I can't remember what episode it was, the whole otter-weasel connection. Do you guys remember that? Um, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. You know what? Some someone sent that in, and I was gonna play it, but I didn't, and I'm sorry. I actually went back, downloaded the episode, but something was wrong with it. I can't remember what. But yeah, that was that was definitely um, what a great, really funny. Sorry, um, Micah. No, no, it's fine. I mean, uh, I was just uh, that that was that was a funny moment. I think that was probably one of the first shows that I did. Um, you know and. It's, you can tell, cr- like, Micah, you've really evolved. Like, your voice was, when you first started, it was very deep and unemotional. I mean, it's still deep, but, it, you know, it's, <laughs> you, you have more emotion in it now. I mean, you have more energy in it. That's what I'm That's trying right. to say. I hate the freaking Half-Blood Prince pictures. I mean, you can tell that there's contempt in my voice, <laughs> can't you, when I say that now? I really just don't like the pictures. Yes, you can. Matt, how about you? Did you have a favorite moment? From the past episodes, I see you there on the episodes page. Yeah, of I actually found my favorite. Well, it's my favorite episode too. It's episode twenty-seven. Um, it was a week right before, or actually no, it was the Valentine's Day episode, and you guys were talking about a bunch of stuff. But um, I think the one part that I just most enjoyed listening to was when um, you guys were discussing Umbridge being t- taken into the forest, and you were wondering what the centaurs did with Umbridge. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I might have said something that prompted that. Um. Yeah, no, that was you. No, I remember that, Micah. Micah was like, Micah goes, Megorian had his way with her. I remember oh, that boy. specifically. Oh, I got to listen to that now. I completely forgot about that. Oh. Um, so, yeah, I, I've had a few inappropriate comments here or there over the course of the... You yeah. have an inappropriate comment and, and, every single episode. 
Yeah, and think about all the ones that don't make it uh, to the final cut. I just think it, I just think it's cool to see how it has evolved uh, since the first episode, you know, and, and into what it's become. 150 episodes, almost three years later. Um, it's really impressive, and and you know, you guys yeah. are a few years younger than I am, but you know, I've I've been really impressed with the way that you know you guys have conducted yourselves and the commitment that you've had, and oh, you know the effort you, that you put in nice. over you know the past Aww. couple of years. Well, thank you, Micah. I mean, you're a wonderful host too. I don't know where how we do the show without you at this point. You, I mean, um, we're starting to get like sentimental now. But everyone has played such a big role in this show through 150 episodes, and um, you know, I I hope we always continue to keep the show rolling because it's been so great. And you know, Micah, Laura, Matt, we're basically Matt, Matt, Laura, Micah, and I are basically the the core hosts now. Of course, Jamie will be back. Will be back. Uh, in a week or two, but you know, as time goes on, hosts change, and uh, you know, it happens. Especially when you have a group of people like us, where we have we basically started off with seven hosts. You know, seven hosts through three years—that's a lot of people to stick around. And, you know, to yeah, stay on the show for seven really years so you, for three years. So, you know, at this point, I'm very happy and appreciative that Laura and Mike have sticked on it for so long, and I'm so glad that Matt's uh, part of the show now because he adds a lot to it. And, um, yeah, it's great. It's definitely great. And we're glad for everybody who's ever been a part of MuggleCast. Oh, of course. Right? Yeah, no, I said, yeah, of course. <laughs> there was a little bit of silence there, and I'm like, no, it's right? Skype. Skype's okay. bad today. But, um, yeah, well, we thank everyone, especially the listeners, for sticking with us. You know, we still have these people who have been listening from episode one, two, or three, you know. And we get lately, I've noticed a lot of emails from people saying, you know, I just started listening to the show, and like, there seems to be a lot of new listeners lately, and that's that's great. Keep them coming. But at the same time, we're also yeah, re- very appreciative of all the people who have stuck with us for so long. So, thank you, everyone. That's what we're saying. It's time to remind everybody for not the hundred fiftieth time because we haven't been doing this for so long. But um, Laura, what is the PO box if someone wants to send us something? P.O. Box 3151, coming Georgia, 30028. We skipped voicemails this week because we had a lot to get to, but uh, we'll probably get back to them next week. You can always call in your voicemail, question, or comment. Uh, if you're in the United States, you can dial one two one eight twenty magic If you're in the United Kingdom, you can dial 020-814-4067. And if you're in Australia, you can dial 02-803-35668. You can also Skype the username MuggleCast, but no matter how you call us, just remember to... Keep your message under 60 seconds and get rid of the background noise, please. Also on MuggleCast.com, you can find a handy feedback form to contact any one of us or just use our first name at staff.mugglenet.com. And, of course, we have the community outlets, including the MySpace, Facebook, YouTube, Frapper, Last.fm, and the fan listing in the forums that are located at MuggleCastFan.net. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, dig the show at dig.com, and vote for us once a month at Podcast Alley. As always, thank you, everyone, for listening. Here's to another 150 more episodes. Hey! <laughs> wow. Oh. <laughs> what? I don't know about I think that. You should, uh, <laughs> just you should play it out with the original intro, or you should intro the show with the original intro that you used. Okay. Back. Okay, sure. 
Oh, you mean back in the yeah. old days? The spoiler alert? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no. This the, is Muggle the original <laughs> intro with... Uh, MuggleNet.com's brand new podcasting feature. Episode 1. Yeah, that. Oh, I remember that. Feature. MuggleCast, MuggleNet's new podcast. You sounded so young, then. So when are you going to put this out? Yeah, I really have changed. My voice has evolved. Uh, tomorrow. Oh, we still got to wrap things up. So, once oh. again, I am Andrew Sims. I am Laura Thompson. And I'm Matt Britton. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next week for episode 151. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hundred and fifty episodes and still the same problems.